Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Man of Podcast, Daily Bread for the Daily Christian. My name is Sam Jeske. I serve as the pastor at Our Shepherd Lutheran Church in Crown Point, Indiana. And thank you for tuning in this Friday morning for another episode. Uh, we're so glad that you're uh, you're tuning in today. Uh, with me, I got a really special guest, uh, another brother in ministry. And this guy has been a, a brother for some time. Um, have not talked with him in quite a while, uh, and but uh, now is a better time than ever. So um, with me is my uh, brother in ministry, Pastor Jeff Rue. Jeff, thanks for hanging out today. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a privilege. Yep. Jeff, why don't you fill us in? Um, I, I, I was joking around with Jeff before we started recording, and I could not honestly remember the last time that I either see, saw or talked with Jeff, and that's just how time is. It just, you just, just gets away from you. But um, Jeff and I went to undergraduate together, and we were at seminary together for uh one year right yeah one year because you had uh done some mission work for a couple years and uh, i went yeah we graduated college together but then you did some ministry work uh overseas for a couple years i went straight to the seminary and our time did uh uh you know we met we we went to school for one year uh with me being a couple years ahead of you but uh yeah so it, it has been a little while Obviously, life has been a little crazy since then. A uh, <laughs> lot going on uh, personally and uh, throughout the world, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's really good to talk to you, and I'm excited to uh, dive into this topic for today. Sure. So why don't you bring us up to speed then and just kind of fill us in, uh, just uh, for those listening, and tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, you, your family, where you're serving, um, and uh, or at the, in your case, the two congregations that you've served at. Uh, so just bring us up to speed. Yeah, sure. So uh, I graduated the seminary in 2017, uh, Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, that is. And uh, I've been married to my wonderful wife, Serena, for seven years now. We have two awesome, energetic boys. Uh, one is named Jeffrey. He just turned four and a half, and Benjamin just turned 17 months. Um, when I graduated the seminary, I was assigned to St. Paul Lutheran Church in Tacoma, Washington, and I was uh, assigned there to be the outreach pastor. And that was definitely a shock to me, because I think if you were to have asked me three years ago when I uh, was assigned there, if you were to ask me what was the area of ministry that I probably was least comfortable with, I would have said outreach. <laughs> so when, when when our district president told me that, I, I thought to myself, are you kidding me? There are other guys who are much more equipped than I am to do this, but in hindsight, I, I realized that God put me there and made me work in an area of ministry that I needed to grow in. Um, and so I was blessed to be there for two years out in Tacoma, Washington, uh, gained very valuable experience and served with some awesome people and, and served with an awesome pastor who had been there for now 30 years. Um, but then uh, for a number of reasons, mostly financial, um, the church could, not, could no longer support two full-time pastors. And so both my associate and I were put on the call list to uh, receive other calls from congregations and may possibly serve elsewhere. Uh, so we both did receive calls, and uh, I had received a couple of calls, um, one in Broadhead, Wisconsin, and then the other to my current congregation, St. Paul's Lutheran 
church and school in East Troy, Wisconsin, and it became very obvious that this is where God needed me to be. And so uh, actually today is my one-year anniversary here at St. Paul's in East Troy. I was oh, that's awesome. installed on August 11th, uh, which is when we're <laughs> recording this. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a very interesting uh, ministry so far, without a doubt. Normally, guys, when they are... When they graduate from the seminary, they're not eligible for calls for, I think, three or four years. I think it's four years, if I remember if I remember correctly. And, of course, obviously, I was the, the very first one in our class to get put on the call list. So that was uh, interesting. And I got bragging rights there, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, I know this is exactly where God needs to be, needs me to be. Uh, we're, we're blessed to be here and uh, looking forward to what God is doing. Uh, what God has in store for us in the future. Sure. So for those who um, who aren't familiar with, with East St. Troy, Wisconsin, why don't you tell us a little bit about it, maybe the demographic, um, where it's located. Uh, uh, man, just, just, just paint the picture for us. Sure. So East Troy, Wisconsin is a smaller town, uh, not super small, but definitely on the smaller side. We have about 4,000 people in the village. Um, it's located uh, just off of I-43, uh, so if you were you know, coming from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you take I-43 south, um, we're about 30 minutes away from the city of Milwaukee and about 45 minutes west of Racine and Kenosha. Um, it, you know, as far as demographic goes, I mean, you know, it's your typical small town USA, you know, we got the one high school that everyone's pumped up for. Um, it's not to the point, it's not super small in that, you know, everyone knows everyone's name or everyone knows everyone's business. We're not that small. Uh, we're a little bigger than that. Um, have a, a very cute little times uh, or a town square, um, which where the majority of our businesses are at. Um, do have a number of churches uh, from different denominations in this small town. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely, I, I would say, maybe a, a farming community. Maybe not totally, but uh, we do have our fair share of farmers in, in the area. Um, but it, it's a very friendly community to live in, very safe. Um, and, yeah, I mean, yeah, got... got uh, I mean, you got things to do here. I mean, it's it's not uh, not boring, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so we definitely love living here. That's awesome. So um, coming to so you mentioned that this is this marks the one year anniversary of uh, your installation. Congratulations! That's just awesome. I passed my my first formal year as a pastor. Um, uh, my uh, first year uh, that was last month. So. A lot. You learn a lot in, in one year's time, and um, you you kind of alluded to this already. How much has happened um, since August of 2019? <laughs> so, you being um, brought on as a you know you are are you you are the sole pastor, or you there is a you have an associate? No, I'm I am the sole pastor of this congregation. Okay, I just wanted to clarify because. Um, I wasn't sure. I had seen a couple videos of you have some additional preachers, and I was, I'm was i pretty sure those are guest preachers. Because um, I was, Yes, that's true. Okay. So as the sole pastor of a congregation, you're, you're brand new. You've been there for, what, from, you know, August to, 
you know, August of 2019 to March of 2020, um, not all that long. I mean, the grand scheme of things. And then we are faced with COVID-19. And um, so why don't you, um, just for, for those listening, because really the, what we're, what we're kind of getting at is as congregations everywhere in the United States and the world are really trying to figure out what does evangelism look like, in a COVID-19 season, how, what does gospel ministry proclaiming Christ look like when uh, I'm being advised not to, uh, to minimize or um, to, yeah, I'd say, yeah, to minimize my in-person assemblies or um, to, you know, socially distance, to wear masks, um, you know, the hand sanitizer and the, you know, all the other stuff and all the other safety implementations that have got to go, go into place. Um, this is, for a lot of congregations, a lot of uh, there was a huge assumption of the o- of the availability of say doing stuff at our facility, and now that's kind of a is that a safe assumption anymore for the time being, or do we got to start looking into other areas? And obviously, churches are asking these questions everywhere. And some while there are some churches who are um, kind of afraid of of. Uh, maybe getting innovative or creative and are hungering for when are things going to get back to normal, they ask the pastor. You have a lot of congregations that are saying, well, instead of us waiting for things to go back to a day that we're comfortable with, um, we're going to say, all right, this is the field that God has planted us in. Our God promises to work all things for the good of his church, so we can trust and rely on that promise, knowing that God is working some Amazing opportunities for gospel witness right now, even in the midst of COVID-19. It might, it might seem too big for us, and that's okay, because it's not too big for God. The question is then, is what, is, what does ministry look like right now? So why don't you, um, just for those listening, and for me too, I'm taking notes on this as well, um, why don't you fill us in from March, to, March 2020 to August 2020, um, how has uh, St. Paul and East Troy gone about doing ministry uh, during a COVID-19 season? Well, before I talk about that, maybe I should preface it uh, by saying this, that uh, I certainly am not claiming to be an expert of how <laughs> to congregation through a pandemic. Oddly enough, I have I did not get any experience of doing that in Tacoma, believe it or not. So um, I, I'm sure that in the last, I don't know, however many months it's been, I'm sure I've made several mistakes, Um, so I'm certainly not the expert. I don't have all the right answers, but, you know, we just do the best that we can. Uh, We recognize, like you said, uh, that God holds us in the palm of his hand, and the situation may seem too big for us, and maybe it is too big for us, but it's not too big for God, and he knows exactly how things are going to play out. Um, Yeah, you know, I, I, I remember... When it really started to hit me that oh wow this is this is a real thing it was um, oh I don't remember the exact date but um, I was guest preaching at our sister congregation just up the road on I-43 in Big Bend Wisconsin and uh, I was I was uh, part of our uh, midweek Lent rotation um, with a number of pastors and I just remember uh, that church being packed because their school was singing. The entire school was singing in that service, so the church was packed. And for the first time, I had seen people in the pews wearing masks. 
And I, I you know, I, I knew that coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, was starting to gain some traction, that it was really starting to take its effect in our country. And I remember just, you know, after the service, you know, got done, and I would say maybe only 50% of the people uh, would shake my hand. And I just thought to myself, wow, this is really weird. How long is this going to last? And then, and then on the, on the way home, I was listening to sports radio. I'm a big sports fan. And that night they had announced that a couple of the NBA players had tested positive and within five minutes, the NBA had suspended the season. So then I'm like, oh, wow, this is serious. I, I think before that, I didn't realize how serious this was. But then at that point, and all within a five-minute time span, I thought, wow, this is really serious. And so for the remainder of the week from Thursday through Sunday, I'm thinking, okay, what do we need to do differently Um you know, to, to adjust to this weird sort of situation that we're facing. What do we need to do to make worship as safe as it possibly can? Because, you know, this is middle of March now, and we knew very little about the coronavirus. So, um, and this date I do remember was March 15th. I'm sure this is a date that many pastors remember as being, uh, for many of us, the last in-person worship service that we had for quite some time. And attendance was definitely down quite a bit. Um, I had shot a video and uploaded it to our Facebook page, um, just talking about how we were going to do things a little differently. We uh, uh, we basically dismissed, or well, not dismissed, that's probably not the right word, but basically we told the ushers that you don't have to do your job because um, we didn't want people touching a whole bunch of stuff. So we didn't hand out service folders. We just put it out on a table. Um, we didn't use the hymnals. Um, we didn't pass the offering plate around. Uh, we suspended the use of the common cup just because we didn't know uh, really what we should do. We didn't know uh, what form this virus could take, and we just wanted to play things on the safe side uh, because we didn't want anyone uh, putting it putting their life in danger because of something we are doing or not doing. But like I said, attendance was really, really down that week. And then, of course, uh, a day or two later, uh, our, our governor uh, mandated safer at home, which, of course, meant that we had to make the very difficult decision uh, with our church council and our elders to suspend in-person worship for the time being. And that was that was really heartbreaking, but at the same time, there was something really cool happened that I, I, I don't know if I'll ever forget. It. I pray I don't, at least, where, you know, we made the announcement and we said, you know, this is what it is. Unfortunately, we live in a very uncertain time right now, and for the time being, to, to play it safe, we're going to suspend in-person worship, and we'll do everything that we can to um, – you know, upload services on online, on the website, Facebook, YouTube, what you name it. Um, for those of you who don't have that, we'll, we'll mail everything to you so that you can stay connected as best as possible. Um, and so, but one of the cool things, like I was saying, is just the amount of witnessing 
that happen through that. Not necessarily from the church itself, but from our members. And just all over Facebook, I, I would see just and, and, you know people from, from my church and people from my previous congregation in Tacoma and just Christians all around the world, you know, that I'm connected with on Facebook, we're just not afraid to say, God's got us, everything's going to be okay, God's will be done. And they were so bold in confessing their faith as they're looking at this virus straight in the face and they don't know what to expect, but they say, you know what, God's got it under control. And I don't think I can recall a time where people were so bold to share their faith publicly in a public format like that. And I just thought that was so, so cool. And I, I would love to, you know, see that happen again. You know, I think we've kind of maybe faded away from that, but just the boldness in which Christians shared their faith during that period period of time was absolutely outstanding. Um, so, and then we, uh, so yeah, the very first, uh, the virtual worship service was a midweek Lent service, and I was scheduled to be at my congregation, so that worked out well, just fine. Tried live streaming it with my phone. It was an epic failure. <laughs> it went wrong. And, yeah, so my wife was watching at home. And uh, for, those of, for those of you who don't know, um, the, the house that we live in, called the Parsonage, um, it is connected to the church, basically, um, there's a hallway in which uh, my office and the church secretary's office is, and that hallway connects the church and the house. Um, so it's it's different, but, you know, at, at least the traffic's not bad going to work in the morning, so no complaints there. <laughs> yeah, oh, I suppose anyway, that's, a, that's a pro. <laughs> for sure, yeah. for sure, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, I remember re- live streaming it using my phone, and I had someone holding the phone for me, sitting in the pew while we're doing our first virtual worship service. And I go through the entire service and, you know, we, we get done and I said, all right, so how, how do you, how do you think it went? And the person recording the, the service said, well, you did fine, but I'm pretty sure the, it didn't go through. And I said, what do you, what do you mean it didn't go through? why didn't you stop me? <laughs> Basically, they said, well, you were kind of on a roll. We didn't want to stop you. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, now I got to do the whole thing over again. So, and yeah, it did not work. My wife confirmed it to me that it did not work at all. And so from that point on, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to pre-record everything. And and that's what we started doing. We pre-recorded everything. Um, and, you know, I mean, it, of course, we still had some hiccups along the road, but um, you know, we've, we've made it work. Um, I, I learned a lot in video editing, so that was kind of a cool thing, uh, being able to put the, uh, the words of our hymns on the screen so that people could participate at home. And, yeah, I mean, obviously it was very, very different. But, you know, I, I strove to make virtual worship as normal as possible. Because, I mean, let's face it, our lives changed almost completely. Everything at that point in time had been turned upside down. 
You know, there, there was no consistency in our routines and our lives whatsoever. And so I thought that what better place to have some semblance of normalcy and consistency than in worship, than in hearing the Word of God and singing some of those hymns that mean so much to us. And, yeah, Easter was tough that year. Easter was certainly tough. Uh, not being able to sing, I know that my Redeemer lives in a packed church uh, with with Easter lilies all over the place. I mean, that was that was tough. Um, but you know, we we put together uh, an Easter service. I mean, as we did with the rest of Holy Week. You know, we we did, we still celebrated Palm Sunday and Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, and a lot of people came in for private communion during Holy Week, which was awesome and. Um, you know, we still brought instrumentalists to come in and, you know, brass and flute and organ, uh, piano, guitar for, for the Easter service, of course, all pre-recorded, but it just wasn't the same. But the message, of course, w- w- remained the same, which obviously was most important. And I think maybe we, we found more comfort in the Easter message than we have in, in previous years just because our hearts are, were aching so badly from everything that was going on and just having that wonderful comfort that because Christ lives, we too shall live. And so we, we, we you know, we, we continue to press forward. And then in May, uh, Safer at Home uh, for the state of Wisconsin was struck down by the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And so that meant that we would be able to resume in-person worship, which was really awesome. And on Pentecost Sunday, too, which was very fitting, I think. And yeah. uh, so, you know, we had, so we had, we had to talk about, okay, so we're going to go back to in-person worship. Obviously, we can't do things the same, um, so what do we do? So, I mean, the, the things that we had done back on March 15th, we, you know, we implemented a lot of those same things where we weren't going to use ushers um, to hand things out. We weren't going to pass the offering plate. Um, we also weren't going to receive the Lord's Supper at the front of the church, uh, kneeling down at the rail together, um, because social distancing doesn't happen when you do that. So we had two tables set up front, and we do uh, continuous flow, and people social distance during that. Of course, we still suspend the use of the common cup for the time being, but Lord willing, we can maybe resume that at a later date. Uh, we took all the hymnals and Bibles out of the pews, we put up a temporary screen up in front of church um, so people can use the worship folder. Everything is printed there. It's also on the screen. And uh, more people have, have taken a liking to the screen, so that's kind of cool. Uh, printing less paper, so that's certainly a... a <laughs> um, <clears throat> but not everyone has come back yet. Um, I would say for our regular worshipers, I, I think we're still probably missing um, anywhere between... 30 to 40 percent of our regular worshipers and uh, even with this mask mandate that that we've been under now for almost two weeks um, we still haven't seen some people that we normally would see uh, faithful church members who who serve Christ and his church very faithfully we haven't seen since that fateful March 15th Sunday and so we you know we continue to record the entire service have it uploaded by Sunday morning to make sure that, um, you know, to make sure that they're able to worship at home. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, 
it's it's a challenge because one thing that I one one thing that I'm starting to see a little bit is, you know, we as I mentioned we still are recording the whole worship service just like we had done when we weren't meeting together. And there have been a couple people who have willfully admitted to me that, you know, we're kind of getting comfortable with this, you know, (laughs) you know, so like, can we keep on doing this? Well, um, I mean, if there are the, the, there are more pros to meeting together than there is just doing this at home. And I don't know, maybe we'll talk about that in just a moment, but so that's kind of one of the things that we're trying to balance, you know, how to encourage people to come back without being like, get back here now. What are you doing? Don't yeah. be so afraid. Because, you know, we understand that people have different underlying health conditions and, you know, we don't want to be forceful about it. I mean, you know, I, I'm a low risk individual, but that doesn't mean that, you know, Joe Schmo in the pew, I mean, maybe he's got asthma and a few other medical conditions that if he were to get the virus, that it could be deadly for him. So, I mean, I, we obviously don't want to, you know, force people to come back if they're not ready. Um, it's a balancing act, you know, because we want to take care of our bodies. We want to make good decisions. But at the same time, uh, we want to preach confidence, you know, putting our trust in the Lord and that, you know, whatever whatever may happen, it's the Lord's will. Um, but at the same time, we do want to take care of our bodies. That's, uh, you know, a, a, a narrow line that we kind of have to walk. So, um, I mean, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're continuing to press on, uh, God has still blessed us tremendously. I've, I've been privileged to, to do several baptisms even in the midst of this pandemic. So that's been pretty awesome. Um, we've, we have been forced to grow in ways that we may not have grown had we not faced this. Um, you know, our online presence has been more, uh, up to date, I guess, with video devotions and um, just putting out more more things online so that people can be edified with the Word of God. Not only our our people, but also our community as well. Um, and you know, we're kind of at that point now where we can't really go back to what we were doing um, because that, I think that would be negligent. You know, we 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 have really put ourselves out there virtually, and we got to continue to utilize that. Um, for the sake of God's gospel ministry. I mean, do, basically it comes down to doing as much as we can so that people can be edified with the gospel and their lives could be changed. Mm-hmm. No, that's a, that's, a, that's a very, very good point. I mean, you and I've been writing down the stuff that you've been saying just to um, just take a note of that. And you, you unpacked a lot, Jeff. Um, you talked about some big challenges that we're seeing right now culturally within congregations all over the United States. You unpacked um, uh, some um, some other challenges, too. You also touched on some key insights that you learned during this time. And one of them is that, um, and I'm sure you've heard this, too, you have, uh, on the one hand, you have some who are hungering and they're saying, um, you know, uh, Pastor, can't we just keep doing this? This is actually kind of nice. I wake up and you know at nine a.m. or you know eight or ten thirty or whatever, and I'm having breakfast and coffee while I'm watching you do your thing at church. Uh, you 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 bring God's word right to my home. Isn't that great? And and then you have on the other hand, you have some who are saying, Pastor, when are we going to get back to normal? So on the one hand, it's like, can't this be the new normal where we just stay at home? And then on the other hand, it's when can we get back to normal? 
where we are, you know, all meeting again in person and we're not having to use all this other technology and stuff like that too. Um, at least, and you've kind of touched on this too. You've said that, um, that congregations and yours, and I would definitely say the case for mine, which is why this is a big blessing that I've highlighted for our people is that we were forced to grow in areas that maybe areas we didn't know we needed to grow and circumstances necessitated that. And I don't even want to say it as abstractly as that, like God through, because he deigns to use means, God through our circumstances um, shaped and molded us to say, okay, um, we are committing ourselves to maybe a, I don't want to say that we were a one, one trick pony congregation, but, but the thing is, is that we, while we certainly hunger for the opportunities to gather together in person, um, um, if we are such a facility focused ministry and we're not even seeing the fact that we got to be engaging people online, uh, we got to shift there. We're, we're realizing that, you know, for everybody who wants to hunger to get back to meeting normally, um, we're realizing that that people were already online. Our new, our normal, quote unquote, is that nearly everyone is already online. That's already where they were. And now we're realizing that's that's kind of where we needed to be. And mm-hmm. now you're, whether it be the um, your older members who are sitting at home from the comfort of their living room, they're watching it like, wow, this is really nice. Okay, I want you to take that feeling of this is really nice. And that's the same feeling that a that a prospect or somebody who's unchurched or de-churched or has, has no desire or anything they want to do with church, that's kind of the, the niceness or that feeling that they have of being able to interact with a worship service or to, to hear the message of the gospel that you very clearly presented, that whether it be our Easter Sunday service or during Lent or that, you know, you have a God and Savior who, one, not only created you, um, that same God took on flesh, Jesus Christ died to save you, uh, that same triune God uh, is still powerfully working in your life. That God sanctifies you, who grows you and nourishes in your faith. And that God's got a plan. Um, our meta narrative is not how do we overcome coronavirus. Our meta narrative is our greatest problem is that of sin. And in, by extension of that, death, and not just a physical death um, by pestilence or plague or dying of old age or something like that, but eternal estrangement from God forever as a result of sin. We needed redemption and saving from that. And that, like you said, regardless of whatever normal, quote-unquote, we are going to see on the other side of this, what allows us to and what motivates and moves us and gives us solace to march through, like you've already very articulated, uh, very well articulated from March to August 2020, um, a lot of uncharted waters, and nevertheless, we rally behind the certain, um, the certain solid banner of Christ crucified. Um, your God and Savior died, rose, uh, lives, and reigns and rules forever, and that that is something that we can get behind and should get behind. I mean, as churches are, um, which that does give us a a motivation and a confidence in the face of sheer uncertainty. But as you've already alluded. There are the normal that we're seeing isn't isn't so much a new normal as it was. That's just what it already was, is that people were online. And so congregations have had to very strongly pivot. Um, Some churches were doing that already. Um, I don't I mean, 
I think there are some churches in our church body that were doing a great job of that before, and now they're just doing an even better job. And then there are some churches where it's like, we weren't doing anything, and now we really got to get in gear. That's yeah. where people were. I had seen articles from, <laughs> I refer to them sometimes as the digital doom and gloom prophets, <laughs> or basically yeah. just, just pastors who are generally on like the cutting edge of innovation and stuff, and they're saying, all right, we got to... You got to start pivoting. You got to start pivoting. Like we, you really can't put all your eggs in this basket. Not to say that we don't want to. And you, and you, Jeff, you articulated a very fine, fine point, and you you highlighted the tension. Where on the one hand, we don't want to give up physically meeting together, as so often people are in the habit of doing. But we also don't want to. We also don't want our our definition of meeting together to be so strictly or exclusively defined as we must physically meet in a physical worship space on a physical, like in an actual space, um, like a, you're, you know, the intersection at your street or whatever. But, you know, could we do outdoor services? Um, what online stuff can we do? How can we utilize Zoom or podcasting or, like you said, video devotions to pull people together and continue to cultivate relationships in and around God's means of grace? 